It's a film with three brains. 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 They were three cops who had nothing in common. Freeze! Big V, what are you doing here? Hey, you know, man, keeping the streets safe, boys. One would do anything to get ahead. You truly prepared to be despised within an apartment? Yes, sir, I am. One had his own brand of justice. How's it gonna look in your report? It'll look like justice. That's what the man got. And one loved the spotlight. What exactly do you do on the show, Jack? I teach Brett Chase how to walk and talk like a cop. The Night Owl Massacre. This is a heinous crime that requires swift resolution. Six victims. One of them, one of our own. Interrogations will be led by Lieutenant Edmund Exley. I need some backup. Come on. All right, college boy, I'll help. Now, all of them are faced with solving one case. Don't move! I want confessions, Edmund. Oh, I'll break them, sir. These people are all in the morgue. And someone has to pay for it. There's something wrong with the night owl. I just can't prove it. They thought they had it all figured out. Anything bothering you about the Night Owl case? The fact that you guys won't let it get filed away. I didn't kill nobody! But what started as a murder... You talk only to me on this one. ...became a mystery that could cost them everything. Academy Award winner Kevin Spacey, Russell Crowe, Guy Pearce, James Cromwell, Kim Basinger, Danny DeVito. L.A. Confidential. Welcome to the film with three brains. Sam in San Francisco. And I am Sean in Chicago. And I am Cohen in Maplewood, New Jersey. Sweet. Today we are reviewing the 1997 film L.A. Confidential. And it is a 1950s corrupt police officer movie um, <laughs> that I haven't seen since it came out. You guys? I think I've seen it once or twice, maybe since it came out, but I was surprised how little, how poorly I remembered it. Yeah. You kind of berated Sam for only seeing it once. So. I was surprised. <laughs> well, I think, I, yeah. I mean, I, you should you, see it twice. You, yeah. I mean, I've only seen it <laughs> three times now. I'm at three or four probably. <laughs> okay. Okay. <laughs> All right. So nobody's watching this on repeat or, you know, not. We haven't watched. I mean, it it's no big trouble in Little China, but yeah. <laughs> what is Roadhouse? <laughs> Come on now, let's not go down this road. It's too early. Um, All right, but it's good. Yeah. I mean, this is good. I really enjoyed it. Mm-hmm. Want a synopsis? Yes. Why not? All right. Um. Guy Pierce is a young, uh, upwardly motivated. What does he start off as? Officer who becomes detective? I don't even remember what he starts out as. Um, yeah, anyway, I don't remember, I don't remember what he is either. <laughs> but he really believes in what's right is right, whereas a lot of the other members of the police department that he's in seem to have more of a we do whatever it takes to get the job we think done needs done gets done and <laughs> russell crowe plays one of those guys kind of the the uh the the heavier handed sort of cop and they are 
what are they actually investigating <laughs> to start out with? The murder of an ex of a uh, of a officer who's kicked off the force, and it uh, let's see involves the porn industry, bad cops, some drugs, a bunch of killings, a mobster who's in jail, and uh, eventually they end up having to work together, uh, for, even though they hate each other, and solve the mystery. Mm -hmm. That's probably as good as I can do based on how many things happen in this story. <laughs> yeah, that's, there's no way you can do the whole plot. I was, it's impossible. I was really impressed. I was like, this is a really rich plot and i know it's you know based on a book but which is probably why it is that way but i was like this is really covering so many things like it's i think feel like a lot of the movies i've seen recently have been fairly simple where this is like okay we have you know danny devito you know writing this this tabloid type magazine who's somehow tied in all this, which I think if this movie was made by a lot of other people, that character would have just been dropped. Like I just, like I like them and all that, but I think they would have simplified the movie and, and said, Oh, this is too much. Like, I don't know, maybe mm -hmm. not, but I really enjoyed it. I, I, I felt like this is, we're, we're on a string here of uh marathon man, you know, grumpy old man. This like all the movies we've watched recently have, have not been, Howard the Duck. Uh, it's been really refreshing. <laughs> I, don't know. I mean, I, I admit, I think the I picked the last bad movie, which was something wild. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Was that the last? That was a, that was a few. You know, that's. Uh, yeah, it's, I would call it mediocre. But yeah. But no, I think we're this this movie was just you know it's like okay, there's a reason why this movie did well for you know academy award nominations or other nominations yeah it's i feel like its main flaw was be existing in the same year as titanic yeah <clears throat> kind of got its butt kicked at the academy awards well i'd rather watch this in titanic me too i would too this. although although i will say that once once the boat starts actually going down titanic is fucking awesome <laughs> yeah, I'm not, I'm not. I mean, Jesus Christ, is that movie, masterfully but... made? All the hokum before it, I could live without. <clears throat> anyway, yeah. But it was like nine nominations for LA Confidential, and it only got two wins. What did it win? It got screenplay, adapted yeah. screenplay. And um, Kim Bass Bassinger got supporting actress. No kidding. And that's Interesting. it. Interesting. Everything else was taken. I feel like she was maybe like the least standout of everyone and maybe that's maybe that's a tribute to her and her performance maybe she was just so um restrained on purpose i don't know but like mm -hmm. I, everyone in the i mean everyone in this is great like that's part of the reason i like it so much i mean it's really well written of course it's plotted pretty pretty great and everyone's performance like the casting is just perfect and everyone's yeah, really hitting, hitting on all, you know, hitting the high notes perfectly, including her. She's great. It's just, as I think about it, I mean, I, I think of Russell Crowe first and foremost, <laughs> and, and mostly because his performance is pretty restrained given the character he plays, you know, like mm -hmm. his, his sort of like, um, you know, brimming sort of pot of boiling water, you know, the way he kind of holds it in 
until he bursts is pretty impressive. <laughs> like, like it's 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 pretty impressive to watch. I really enjoyed his his performance. Like the rage that's always just below the surface. Oh, and yeah. Sometimes it comes out, but you know, half the time he's trying. You know, he's trying and managing to control it, but you you can see it. And the the best, actually, the best scene. And maybe again, maybe maybe I'm contradicting myself. Is the scene between Kim Basinger and him when she says, "You know, the, you're the first man who didn't tell me I looked like." Um, uh, what's her name? What's Veronica her, Lake. She, Veronica Lake. And uh, he says, you look better than Veronica Lake. And her reaction is awesome. And his reaction to him saying that is awesome. That little moment is, is fucking fantastic. Mm. Yeah, that was good. Yeah, I think he, he you, you hit the nail on the head about the this like boiling pot and when it's going to go off because they, and they, they do it, you know, over and over in the movie and at different levels, you know, mm-hmm. like you, like the, the scene where with, with Meeks, you know, getting out of the car, you know, at the very beginning at the drugstore, you know, the, um, the, the fight in the jail with the guys they think, uh, you know, killed the cops, mm-hmm. and, you know, yeah. it just, every, every time he boils over, it's, it's perfect, but they, he doesn't do it every time. And it, and it's always simmering. And it's it's just, I think what works with it too is, and then you have Guy Pierce who's doing his, like you should, this is the right way to do things. Who cares what anyone else thinks and what consequences mm-hmm. it happens? And the idea that that you know James Cromwell can play both of them, like knows them so well, like it <laughs> knows how they're going to react that he can he can play them against each other. Yeah, you know it's. Mm-hmm. It's it's really well written, really well yeah. done. Everyone and everyone has great arcs, you know. Like Guy Pierce's arc is fantastic, where he he goes from, you know, like black and white. Everything's black and white, you know. Like it's right or it's wrong, and then to mm-hmm. see him slowly realize that this is not the way shit works, and to sort of get past that and sort of grow, and then to see Kevin Spacey realize yeah. that you know some things are more important than you know like a tv show you're on yeah you know some things are worth fighting or the, for worth the 50 dollar payoff for. yeah yeah throwing somebody under the bus and he's yeah, gonna, you know, that and, was and this, great this kind of reminded me this reminded me of something i had really quite forgotten is that how great an actor kevin spacey is yeah you know because of recent events have sort of overshadowed all that <laughs> it's hard not to downplay it now it's like yeah he was fine <laughs> but you're like yeah, yeah he's, he, he was is, really he's good, good. Really good. Yeah, they're all they're all great. I mean, the, yeah. you did you remember or did you see the poster um, uh, for LA Confidential? It's like Kim Bessinger is is gigantic. She takes up half the poster, and then it's Kevin Spacey, and then in the distance, maybe you see Russell Crowe. You don't see Guy Pierce anywhere. Really? Yeah, it's like <laughs> I mean, they're, they're because they're trying to sell the LA Hollywood part of the movie. Sure, I think, sure. Like, and yeah. they put their their biggest names first. Yes, they're as, the as much billing. as they can, you know. And, and at the time, Guy Pierce, what he had been in, what Memento? I don't even yeah. know. If, was he in you that? You can already? see Guy Pierce in that uh, in that poster. I don't think he was in that because is this before Memento? I think it's before Memento for some. Memento's two thousand. Yeah, this is before. Yeah. This is ninety seven. Wow. Well, huh. and I, I know, was it's thinking weird about because I always think of it, Memento as his first movie. I yeah. do too. And I was like, wait a second. You think of them as Australian actors, but um, one was born in New Zealand and one's born in England. Oh, yeah. But I mean, they are, they grew up in Australia, but it's just weird that, you know, I, I was thinking about them doing um, really good American 
accents in yeah they're pretty flawless like i I didn't yeah you know notice any, any real i feel like russell so. crowe's comes out ever ever so slightly like once in a great 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 while yeah i've heard and him, guy pierce I, not at all <laughs> yeah guy pierce is pretty pretty straight but the did you read the thing about guy pierce talking about going to james elroy's one man show he was in <laughs> yeah yeah in Melbourne that. and um you know the audience member asked if if any of his books would ever be adapted into in a film and elroy was like not only was la confidential in pre-production but two australian natives were cast in the film and the the audience started laughing <laughs> thinking it was some joke because you know there wasn't a lot of that crossover i believe that's why they were laughing um I mean, all I know is what we've talked about, like with um, Road Warrior and Mel Gibson and yeah. that that being kind of a revelation of, of anyway, like, <clears throat> you know, Guy Pierce, um, what's <laughs> just sat there in the audience and was like cringing because <laughs> he was like, oh, uh, no, that's true. We're in this movie. And but but the casting is is fantastic. Like, how do you pull these yeah. people out of almost thin air? I mean, not thin air. We know they're they're working actors and they're they've already done a lot of stuff. But you know, not they're not big names, and he didn't have the budget for big names. You know, and he and he had to get Kevin Spacey, who's already worth a bit, and it's just it's just great casting. I don't know. I yeah. don't know how how he did how he pulled that off. Yeah, I, know. I mean. You could say it was lucky, but I don't think it was. I think he must have saw. I mean, it said st- stuff about like. Um, filming them doing certain things and then showing it to the producers and like okay yeah cast that guy good you know mm-hmm. but he had like a vision of them and Guy Pierce, I, I I remember like when I f- saw it this time um, I couldn't remember who was who and what was going on but I was like okay because you're given kind of the, the face value you're given Guy Pierce, the ambitious young cop the you know uh, Bud White the the, the muscle that will kind of go along with whatever the captain says and is and is asked to do that many times and then sort of um vincennes is like the i don't really care i'm, a, I'm you know i'm in Ho- i'm a hollywood guy um and they're all each, each of their arcs are really good and you said some of this already but i mean it's just it's just crazy yeah. how each of them has a different path and they all mm-hmm. make sense yeah None of it seems contrived. It just seems like, yeah, okay. Yeah. They went through some shit. There's a lot, I mean, there's a lot of violence. There's a body count of like 30 people in this movie. <laughs> yeah. yeah, there are. I forgot about that. The the Night Owl, I guess, I mean, there was like the fracas before in the in at Christmas, like in the jail and the, the Hispanic guys are in the jail and they're beating them up and then there's what comes of that i don't know well then the aftermath with the da you know everyone's kind of trying to figure out how do we how do we make the lapd look good and um actually um i'm just going to start using their names i think because uh, guy pierce is actually i don't know whatever actually cuts a deal <laughs> and becomes detective lieutenant and which is what he wanted but he finds out that you know there's quite a price to pay for that and especially because everyone hated him yeah including bud white and uh and it's you know in the end the da wasn't trustworthy either so it's like 
you know, he just deals with the devil all over the place. I also, I think it's really amusing that Kevin Spacey doesn't appear to really feel one way or another about um, Guy mm-hmm. Pierce and like what he did when he testified against the other cops. He just found it all rather amusing, it seemed. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Which I love that about him. <laughs> yeah, he's he was staying out of it. Yeah. But, uh, but yeah, when they start working together and they both, when everyone like starts doing the cop work, it's it's one of the rare movies where I feel like it explores what being a detective and a cop is like the, the ideal versus the reality mm-hmm. in a really, you know, effective way. You know, sometimes it just seems like, Oh, we're, we're trying to figure out our, our, you know, what we are willing to do for the job. But this is like moment to like scene to scene. They're figuring out what they're willing to do. And it's really good. Yeah. I, I love it how they, and it's the, it's the woman who is the victim of, you know, rape that who's the hostage, who is the one who actually, I think, turns Guy Pierce the most, you know, when he sees oh. it from the victim standpoint. Yeah. You know, I, I love that. It was like, because he thinks that, that he's, you know, you can tell that he's, he's supposed to be above above this, there's supposed to be something special or, and that here, this, uh, to hear a victim say, no, this is what needed to be done. Mm. You know, like, I think that to me, I think that was really the scene where, cause he can't bring himself to even smile for the photo, you know, the, when the, when he's wheeling her out, mm-hmm. I think that's the moment where he's, where it's planted, that seed is planted way more than, than his own Lieutenant or anyone else doing it yeah and that scenario is also what makes bud white question i mean he's he's going down the other a different path too but he to save that woman he had to fake a crime you know he had to tamper with a crime scene um plant a gun on the on the guy that he killed he has to do all this stuff he's like give me a minute and he goes in there guns blazing and that's exactly what uh captain smith wanted him to do um is that Captain Smith? Whatever, Dudley Smith. He he wanted he knows, like you said, he plays them so well. He knows exactly what Bud's gonna do because he sees a distressed woman, and that's that's Bud's thing. Like he gets, you know, gets filled with rage when because of his background. And but the idea that he would do it, he would do it if he felt it was right. You know, he would he would tamp, he would do some right. shady police work if it's in service of quote unquote justice or what what the department wants. But when he realizes he did that for nothing, not even, not even, not only nothing that he was completely used, you know, to, to concoct this whole scenario, then he's like, Oh, you know, that's, that's just more fueled for his fire of like, why am I, why am I going along with this guy? What's, what is the actual thing that when does, when does he know? I mean, Vincennes of course is like a, is a real shock because, he he's the first one to discover the whole kind of cover up and and you know that this the captain is is dirty by obviously getting shot in the chest um but when i mean when does everyone else kind of realize it i know exley is when he hears rollo um yeah that's that's great the way they use that Mm -hmm. forgot about that too yeah dude that that was brilliant and then the, the um, 
you know, maybe when he finds uh, Meeks's body in the in the cellar is when when Bud oh, White yeah. realizes it. Yeah. Uh, that was one of the things about that was my only like kind of gripe about how the plot goes in this movie. It's like of all places to stick a body when he really, you know, this is a cop like who, you know, who, an ex cop who stuck him there. Like, would he really do that? You know, would he really stick it in the crawl space at the girlfriend's house? Yeah, it's a lot. I don't know. I felt like it was sloppy, but maybe, I mean, I guess someone has to make mistakes somewhere for crimes to get solved. So, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 I mean, from, from the movie perspective, it, it was the indignity of it that made Bud look at himself and go like, well, he was, he's a former cop that became muscle for people. I'm, you know, I'm a muscle, I'm muscle. I'm being used in the same way Meeks is used. And he ended up under a, under a house, you know, so this is going to be me. I that's reading between the lines, but, but yeah, every, everybody's like reactions to things, every, every twist like deepens their, their pro progression or whatever it is, you know, gets them to where they get, end up in the end of the movie. I mean, if they, if they survive, <laughs> I forgot that Bud White, I forgot that little twist, that little sort of game they yeah. play with you. Yep. I, I like I don't, that. I want to say bugged. You liked it. I I was like, uh, I mean, I I I didn't want him to be dead, but the guy gets got shot three times, right? <laughs> yeah, you know. And then actually goes out, shoots the captain. Cops come. End of scene. And then we don't know he's alive until <laughs> the very final scene when when they say their goodbyes. Like, oh yeah, here he is. So he's pretty that, banged up, but he's but. But that's how it worked because I, I mean, I like that little twist because also when you see Kim Basinger go, you're like, what really? No. And because you see her show yeah. up when you don't want him. You're like, that's yeah. lame. That's what they can't end up together. Okay, good. Then they, they have that twist, you know? <laughs> and the thing is, is that he's not you know, like, he doesn't get to be the hero. You know, she has got that one liner at the end. What, what something about like actually gets the role and they get, I can't remember what she says exactly. Vacation like in Arizona, yeah. Arizona or something, right? You know, I just thought it was like the the next per, like the the political guy who's savvier than you think gets it gets the job done, and the guy who who isn't, you know, goes out of town in a backseat of a car. You know, I, I thought it was just one more step to show, like, you know, the the game. You might have got rid of a bunch of the nastier players, but the game's still being played. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I I can't believe how well they shot LA. There was only the only set they used was the Victory Motel at the end. Hmm. Everything else was real. Yeah, they said over forty sites. It's crazy. They shot at, which also seems crazy. I know they do it in movies all the time, but I'm still impressed when, like, okay, you've got vintage cars, you got. You know, nothing, no, no weird telephone booths or things that are anachronistic, at least, at least nothing obvious. And then, and that's every time you do a, every time you shoot something, they had to think about all that stuff. And then, and also what I like is that, and th this is by design, apparently by, according to Curtis Hansen with that, that the back, that the, the noir vintage 
you know, fifties Hollywood stuff isn't, isn't supposed to be a feature. He wanted it. To, he wanted the characters to be up front and all that stuff in the background. And I thought it did that really well. Like it didn't focus on every single nuance of, you know, the fifties or, you know, every piece of music or every little detail of who does, I mean, he uses real detail details like Mickey Cohen is a real gangster, but then, you know, that he's like a, he's set up for the entire movie. He's not like a feature. Yeah. Right. I mean, I'll have, you know, vintage clothes, but not every single guy is wearing a, a derby a hat or, you know, like it's, and they're not doing no, there's no, there's no like, um, <laughs> forgive me, Colin, but there's no, uh, <laughs> rocket man type, a rocketeer type of, yeah, say, you know, there's none of that right. stuff, <laughs> right? <laughs> which is nice because it gets a little old after a while. Yeah. And it doesn't really, it, it's not written in sort of the vernacular you associate with a fifties noir movie either. Yeah. Right. Yeah, no one's saying Dame every other word. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> he opens the door and, and Russell Crowe first meets Kim Basinger and the other guy's there. And uh, Russell Crowe calls the guy shitbird. Yeah. <laughs> I, was like, I was like, that is definitely not 1950s yeah. vernacular. <laughs> yeah, I hit the road shitbird before I call your wife. Yeah. <laughs> and I love when he goes, officer, and he goes, councilman. <laughs> yeah, yeah. that's great. <laughs> yeah, that was great. <laughs> and of course, the Lana Turner joke, which is the one, I, the one thing I remembered, I think, from the uh, one funny moment. Oh yeah, embracing yeah. the gangster guy, and oh, yeah, and actually is like you know uh, a hooker cut to look like Lana Turner is still just a hooker. <laughs> right. It's like. That is Lana Turner. <laughs> uh, that's so embarrassing. Yeah, I, I like the um, David Strathern. I, I like that how they they um, they used him. I like because a lot of times he, they don't really get much out of him. He just plays it so cool <clears throat> the <throat> whole way. Um, yeah, it's just I. I, I forgot that he was in here at all and i like him you know mm -hmm. obviously i think of good night and good luck is his as his movie um he's been on a ton of stuff though the firm we did yeah yep but yeah i like that uh i like his character and, and they they keep coming back to him and they they barely nudge forward every, every anytime they see him you know they yeah uh, like it's it's I feel like a lot of movies spend so much time with the people always making, you know, the detectives making the right decision, like one after the other, after the other, instead of this, like, keep going back to something that doesn't quite pan out, even though the guy's involved. I, I thought that was a nice, nice way of using the plot. Yeah. It's, I, it's mysterious. Yeah. Yeah. It's, you know, I forgot DeVito doesn't make it to the end. Yeah, me too. I forgot that as well. Yeah, he's the. So there, I guess there is a there was a hush hush. I mean, it's supposed to be confidential, the magazine that was called confidential, but based out of New York or something. And then there's there's a bunch of other ones that sort of came after, and one of them was called Hush Hush. I don't know. I couldn't find. I couldn't find the actual mag magazine called Hush Hush. But I mean, the the role of the tabloid is is pretty pretty strong. You know. 
they don't they don't dwell like they don't well that's that's what's weird is that you feel by, by the end you feel like you well devito's a likable you know how can you not like that guy he's great but you, he's also like smarmy and he's playing everyone and he's paying off people and he's he's part of the muck of hollywood the whole scene the whole la you know vibe or whatever and he's and he's being used but he's also getting a lot of out of it and yeah it seems like a lot of people just you don't find out what they're truly how things shake out until they end up dead or something you know and he's a, he's especially because he thought he was helping them right he's like why well, how do you nice job pulling your punches you know he, he thought he was there yeah. just to rile up bud white and to do you know to set him off toward exley but you know this this dudley smith guy he's he's got a plan for everybody and most most of it's just clean it up kill him and get rid of it <laughs> indeed is there any heroin? i mean do we don't see any heroin do we you see drugs in the, see some drugs in a somewhere. bag in bags in the in the um in the briefcase i i like that that when they when the guys you know shoot through the window and kill the guys who have all the drugs um i like the the touch of the plate glass window falling after everything yeah, <clears throat> yeah. Um, but that's where they get the drugs or have the drugs but the mm. he so the whole enterprise they're taking over from because the, the lack of organized crime allowed smith to sort of step in and say okay i'm going to take over this heroin trade and pretty much all of organized crime or, or am I adding too much to that? Is there? He wasn't trying to take over everything. He was just trying to keep his racket going. No, no one's helped me out here. No, I, you know, the, I think they never really fully fleshed that out because it, that's that's the thing is like, what exactly are they doing? Because why does why does David Strathern have to die? You know, because it sounds like he was in with Cromwell. Um, I forget what what James Cromwell's character's name is, but it sounded like they were working together. But we never actually saw that, and we only know that he died. But we don't know. They didn't clear clearly say why. Unless well, they were I, just trying to get rid of all evidence yeah. of what was going on. Yeah, and once once Bud didn't kill Axley, I think. Then he had to shift strategies. He had to be like, okay, well, this didn't work. Let's just get rid of everything. Get rid of all the evidence. Uh, and it only occurs, occurred to me now that DeVito's character, the the Hush Hush magazine, claims to be vaguely aware of the Fleur de Lis and, and um, David Strathern's enterprise, but not like he knows everything. He seems to know everything else, but mostly about excuse me like celebrities hollywood people especially you know getting into the relationships they are you know cheating or homosexual stuff or whatever is the ta whatever feeds the tabloids that's what he's interested in but he obviously knows as much or more than almost anybody in town so i am i kept wondering if like what does he know more about that or he just he really just doesn't know i think that flirt of thing was never really uncovered I mean, it is at the end, but until then, like they, they, like he called, I think, um, 
uh, Kevin Spacey calls the number and he gets, you know, they hang up on him basically because he because they don't recognize him. So as, as as far as that enterprise goes, it was it was going really well. It was still undiscovered. It was, you know, they were making lots of money. Everything was going fine. Bud White was the problem, though, because he was messing up. He was, I guess he was messing, I don't know, like his relationship with, with her, Lynn, Kim Best or whatever, like his, his relationship with her doesn't really fit into the grand scheme of things like that, yeah. like, and maybe it wasn't supposed to, it just happened, right? It doesn't, no one well, schemed it, them in, into it. Although she's part of, but she's part of like trying to get actually, like she thought he was, she was helping him. By sleeping with Exley. So who did she think she was helping? I don't think she had a choice. I th well, I think it was. Well, he didn't like Exley, and they were gonna they were gonna blackmail Exley for sleeping yeah, with her. Right. So she, in some ways, is, but she also, I think, mentioned that. Um, she was kind of forced to it, or at least she felt guilty about it. But she thought it would help Bud because then the his problem would be solved with Exley. Yeah. I'm guessing. Yeah, I mean you can't really you can't really blame her too much. She's she's she doesn't have a lot of agency. Hmm. I, you know, it's what's weird about a movie like this is like the more you break it down, that it makes it feel like you're <clears throat> not appreciating it almost. <laughs> like I, the more I talk about it, the more I think, well, why do I care about this? Because when you watch the movie, you, you're, I think, the first or second time I saw it, I liked it, but it wasn't until this time that I really was like really understood what everyone was doing and could could more or less keep track of the names of who is who or this cop and that cop and apparently the book is much bigger and the studio didn't want them to focus on these three even even three cops they wanted it down to one they were like okay well who's the main guy let's let's make it but let's make it russell crowe and they were like no we need because Exley's character is really important. And they're like, okay, well, let's just make it about Exley and cut out the rest of the crap. And they were like, you know, Curtis Hansen really had to stick to his guns and be like, no, all all three of these guys. We, I mean, there were like four more storylines from the book that he could have done, but he had to pare it down to just three. And I really think that's essential because those three storylines work so well together. Yeah, no, this is a sort of movie that I... that. It, because it's so rich, it makes me say, okay, I'll wait, you know, a couple of years. So I kind of forget some of the details and go read the book, hmm. you know, like it, like, yeah, if, if they would have, if, if they would have cut out another character, then we probably wouldn't be talking about the movie or it wouldn't have been that garnered the nominations that it did. Yeah. Hmm. And El Elroy wrote this, this book was like three out of four, a series of four. So. It it felt like this is when things were really you know get, getting gritty, so I can see why he he focused on this book versus some other ones. But I mean the according to you know some of the comments that 
they're they're using real situations like the, like the um, the bust up in the in the jail. There were actually two cops that were that were beating up on Hispanic people, and um, I mean, there's an actual case it's based on, and it and and it feels that way. It doesn't feel <laughs> the only the only part that didn't feel that real to me was actually the night owl shooting because um you know he find he finds the crime scene he gets gets the call go, finds one dead person goes to the back room and then there's just like a pile of bodies yeah and, and not in a, i don't mean not real like it was almost like holy shit this is this is carnage what is this you know <laughs> yeah it was like how how did this even come about and then it takes the entire rest of the movie for them to unravel like why were there so many bodies who you know who was the, who were they there to actually kill why did it happen why how did the shotguns get there that they were planted all that stuff so it, and you know in retrospect you're like oh yeah that's that's why it was such a mess because everyone was f- fucking everything up from the beginning this create it's just crazy how it fits together everything's kind of makes sense Got a lot of double ups here. <laughs> I'm sure. Uh, I think we... the, the the most amusing ones to me are are James Cromwell, who <laughs> Cohen's favorite movie. <laughs> I would have loved it if he would have said, "That'll do, bud. That'll do." <laughs> there was an opportunity that was missed there, mm-hmm. you know. And he was also the realtor uh, in. Um, the man with two brains. Oh yeah, but, nice. I forgot that one. Yeah, and obviously we've had Danny DeVito a few times, but yeah, Kevin Spacey. What do we do? Usual suspects. We have not done that. We haven't. Mm-mm. Oh, I watched it not too long ago. <laughs> yeah. Get a head start. Assumed I watched it for a reason. I don't think we've done Guy Pierce. Um, well, yeah, where are all these? Oh, uh, this isn't a double up, but the guy, the one um, stooge, or you know, the the guy loyal to Captain Smith, who was like one of the last guys to die in this in the shootout. <laughs> He's killed by a bud, so it's like Russell Crowe killing his his best friend from Gladiator, and it was like, oh yeah, that's weird. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you know. That's three years later. He'd be his best friend. And they could have had thrown in the, the Kim Basinger could have thrown in the line. Like, I just want to know, are we going to try to love each other? They could have <laughs> done that. She's a double up. I just want to know, are we going to try to love? Is it, wait, what Batman? Did yeah. Yeah. Okay. They missed out on real opportunities. <laughs> I think this is something we should offer: is is script rewrites with quotes from movies that actors have been in before. <laughs> Subtle ones. Yes, they wouldn't know. break the fourth wall at all. That'd be fine. <laughs> it's it's good. Real true fans like that. <laughs> you know. I like the. You know they, how they use some of the normal cop procedural stuff, but do it as you know, in service of the plot. Like the the interrogation he that that actually does of those different um, 
the suspects, you know, like they're, they're all like, they're all watching him and he's like, that was masterful. And he had like, he's, he flips the switch on the, on the speakers. So other people, the other suspects yeah. can hear. I've never seen that before. Have you seen that in a movie before? I can't think of anything. <clears throat> like I don't that. think I have. Yeah. I thought that was really cool. Like that's clever. Yeah, so he's like squeezing, and then when he finally gets like what he wants out of him, then Bud comes in and tries to rip his head off. <laughs> yeah, uh, there's there's a lot of yeah the stuff that that seems so cliche now like didn't see it just doesn't feel that way in this movie. Yeah, you know he's like hey, you're running the good cop bad cop. I practically invented that, and then they're hanging the DA from the win the window of his building. <laughs> <laughs> it's just so believable. <coughs> Indeed. Not a lot of smoking for the 50s. There's a few, I mean, there's cigarettes around, right? Man. Yeah, when you watch a lot of the older movies, you know... It seems like a lot of the plot gets moved forward because two people stop and have drinks and cigarettes and talk to right. each other. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. I think that's all of, all of uh, Dial M for Murder. Was, you know, obviously, that one was a play, but the, you know, someone walks in the room, oh, let me get you a drink. They sit and talk. Hmm. Inch the plot forward. That person leaves. Someone else comes in. Okay, let me get you a drink. Trying to remember what what period the uh, Devil in a Blue Dress was was that was like thirties, LA. Yeah, or twenties even wasn't it twenties or thirties? Like Easy Rollins is. Yeah, he, he was came it like back the Roaring Twenties? It was Prohibition, wasn't it? That yeah. sounds right. Yep, it was. Yeah, it was after World War One. Because his buddy was a buddy from the war. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I mean, this. Piece. how long is this movie? Two hours and two and a half? Maybe? 18 minutes. 18 minutes? Two hours, 18. Doesn't that, feel like it. It doesn't. No, not at all. It goes back quick. What's the, I can't even remember the first thing that happens. They're kind of introducing us to the city and the, um, it's gang, the voiceover. The guy, the voiceover. Yeah, Danny DeVito. That's right. Oh, that's why. I, that's what got me. I'm like, there's no way he dies because he's the narrator. Yeah. <laughs> Tricky. <laughs> Indeed. Well, what are we doing next? Oh, wait. Quickly, let, let's talk about that almost sequel that, that was supposed to happen. Oh, yeah. It was like, it was it was a go until Chadwick Boseman died oh really yeah it was, it was they were going to use guy pearson and uh, russell crowe hmm so it was pretty uh, i don't have it in front of me but yeah like just the fact that they were going to do kind of like a, from the seven they're going to do like the 70s mm -hmm. you know so they're older so that would make sense how for long ago because curtis hansen passed away a, few, a while back right yeah uh, he did. Chad, chadwick boseman Oh, yeah, Curtis, Curtis Hansen did too, yeah. Yeah, he died in 2016. 2020, it says, oh, Brian Helgeland, the the other the writer, other writer, mm -hmm. he confirmed the sequel had been in development until the death of Chadwick Boseman. Hmm. He, hmm. he would have played a young cop named James Muncie, and Crow and Pierce would have had the same roles, and it was supposed to set, be set in 1974. 
Hmm. Sounds pretty good. Yeah. I mean, it probably is not going to be as good as this, but I mean, they're on the right track. Oh, that makes sense because uh, Brian Helgelin directed 42. Oh, uh, right. So he worked with, with uh, Chad Chadwick. Bozeman. Well, well, well. Curtis Hansen has an interesting filmography. Yeah, he's got he's got kind of a Jonathan Demi thing going on. A little it's like, bit. It's like he either makes dog shit or fucking masterpieces. <laughs> well, <laughs> like ten years he was killing it. Well, right? I feel like he was ratcheting up. Like he was, you know, the hand that rocks the cradle was pretty yeah. well received. You know, River Wild, Lots of money. not as much, but you know, Lots of money. <laughs> more famous. LA mm -hmm. Confidential, just unbelievable. Killed it. I, I said last time, you know, I love the Wonder Boys. I've I've one of the few movies I've owned, I've watched it a ton. I like um, it too. Didn't make know, a lot of money though. No. Eight Mile did. Eight Mile. Eight, um, eight Mile's good, yeah. Mm -hmm. But yeah, just this kind of this interesting. I don't think I ever, I didn't Whoa. see any movie he made after Eight Mile. He made a few movies. I didn't see any of them. Jesus. Eight Mile yeah. had a 40 million budget and made 242 million. Sure. And change. I didn't did know I it see was too that big good. to fail. I did not. I think I did see that one. Is that is too big to fail the one when oh, they that's a TV movie? Yeah. Oh, maybe what was oh no, it's, I'm um, thinking of maybe Big Short was the one. I never saw that either. Oh that, the Big Short. Big Short's good. Yeah. Big Short's really good. It's got a great yeah. cast. It is. I mean, you should watch that. I know. I know. I've been meaning to since it came out oh, how many years ago. <laughs> I always like that because they get the, that line in there. They, they go to fire everyone and they were like, oh, no, let's keep the rocket scientist. <laughs> I don't know why that sticks in my head, but anyway. So, yeah. this. So, okay. So, I told I'm like, V. You want to watch LA Confidential? She's like, no, you watch it. I'm like, are you sure? It's like a totally gritty detective movie. I think you really like it. She's like, no. And you know, I start watching. She's like, she's like, I'm not gonna watch another Steve Martin movie. You guys just picked one. I'm like, what are you talking she was about? Thinking of LA Story. I'm like, that's LA Story. I'm like, there's no Steve Martin in here. I told you, it's a gritty cop movie. Like, <laughs> <laughs> uh, like you made a bad choice I actually came in and it was like two thirds the way done she was half right LA <laughs> right <laughs> that's funny yeah huh alright so now uh, what are we doing next alright well I'm gonna a keep a lot of pressure on you I'm gonna keep the streak alive Ooh. oh with a good movie yeah it's an 80s movie all right. Starring. Uh, wait, 88? No. 85. This will be a third movie by this person, the the star that we've done. Okay. Harkening back to our very first episode. Uh, Arnold? Yeah, twins. Yes. Okay. Harkening. Harkening. <laughs> Terminator's <laughs> 85, right? No. No. Terminator's later. <laughs> I think it's 84. Conan, what is what what does he do in 85? Not Commando. 
Don't come on, come on. Commando. <laughs> it's not Commando. No, he said it was a good movie. It's I Commando. Come on. <laughs> Told you, you I'm keeping this up like No, you're not. <laughs> Commando's you're awesome. You're going for a B movie. It Shut has up. the single come best on. killing the bad guy line of any movie ever. Hey, Bennett, let off some steam. No. Yeah. No. Yeah. Remember when I said I'd kill said, you last? I lied. Yeah, yeah, you did. I lied. <laughs> That's more like Cohen. Remember when I said we'd do a good movie? I lied. <laughs> I lied. <laughs> Commando is oh. objectively awesome. Oh. And we'll, we'll get into it. We will. <laughs> we'll yeah, I think the there's also a kind of fun hole. scene with a rocket launcher, too. <laughs> oh, there's plenty of the tool shed. There's all kinds of crazy shit shed. going on. Indeed. Um, where can we watch Commando? Oh, good question. I don't know. Let's see. Mm, Commando. Where can you see Commando? What a dumb AMC. name, by the way. <laughs> if you have um, AMC. Hmm. It appears to... It was on Pluto recently. Well, uh, yeah. Boy, nine million budget, fifty-eight million. Yeah. All right. <laughs> yeah. Oh wait, I... AMC Plus is it on AMC Plus? Yeah. And Prime. I hate when it says Prime and they don't tell you whether it's. Yeah, and then you have to. Yeah. Pay for it. It's rude. Yeah, Amazon. Oh, you, yeah, you have to do the ad-free trial. Ad-free trial? Of uh, AMC Plus through Amazon. You get a seven-day free trial, and then you can watch it. That's silly. Yeah, Amazon, it's $3.99. Hmm. Or you could buy it for four ninety nine. <laughs> <laughs> Those jerks. I recommend buying it. I think I'll probably just throw in my DVD of it and watch it. I wonder if there's like a like a four K you know restored Blu Ray out there. I, I doubt it. <laughs> there should be. All right. Well, <laughs> I mean, just between us, uh, aka confidentially, this has been our best review ever. Oh, on the QT. <laughs> nice. <laughs> All right. Well, I suppose I better use the. Uh, that's enough, Big Papa. It's time to get to the chopper. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Thanks for listening. See. <laughs> See you next time. Yowza! That's the film with your brains. You totally suckered us. <laughs>